0: The Future of Photography
1: Hello welcome back to The Future of Photography This is Chris Marquardt and with me is the whole gang Hello Adrian Hey, how you doing? Hello Jeremiah Hello, good morning, good evening And hello to Ireland, Imar
2: Hi, hi everybody, how's it going?
1: Doing fine here Um, Let's see... What was last episode the bespoke thing, camera thing? I think we're not. we
0: going to chat a little bit about Quibi, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think we should probably talk about this first because back in episode one fifteen, there's a bit of news, like really relevant news right now. Uh, back in episode one fifteen, we talked about Quibi, the Quibi standing for Quick Bites, a new mobile video service that. Um, I think content creators, famous directors create and producers create like bite-sized 10-minute slices of episodes and stuff to consume while you're waiting for the bus kind of thing. Is that right, Jeremiah? See,
0: yeah. I, I, basically, the, the concept was uh, accumulate a tremendous amount of, quote, high-quality content, mm-hmm. serve it up in small bites. And uh, this allowed the kind of culture of the short attention span to flourish in high quality. Of course, we all kind of conceived our thinking before it was launched. Um, when it was launched, however, the quality of storytelling within the piece demonstrated that uh, engagement for 10-minute dramas is absolutely ridiculous. And part of it, uh, Chris and I have discussed this, if you are that busy, (laughs) that you only have 10 minutes to kind of dig deep, uh, you're not going to be spending those 10 minutes uh, watching a a half-a-act on a kind of what I would consider mediocre drama. Um, Whereas... Uh, News can be effective, but why bother subscribing to Quibi? There's so much content out there. Why not get it from uh, YouTube uh, or any of the others? And if you're under, say, 20... You're watching TikTok for ten minutes. It's very so, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think a billion and a half dollars will be pretty much down the window, and I can see the pivot now to television. However, so, so that's the uh, thing.
1: That's the thing we're talking about. They just pivoted to something else, right?
0: Yeah, I believe so.
1: Well, at least that's what the article says that uh, that you shared with us. With us. Oh, um, I
0: I've, I've
3: missed that so some of that some of that then because I didn't. Uh, so, can somebody fill me in on that?
1: Well, they're moving from iPhone only to um, television now, isn't that Apple the TV? Case? So Apple right, TV, yeah. like like streaming television. So right. The, okay.
0: pro- the problem is they're competing with content that is so much more engaging and effective, and uh, just drama in and of itself requires a little more than a short story, um, artificially plugged in for uh, you know a cliffhanger. So uh, I I think that there's a lot of misguided uh, approaches. They may correct. Uh, I did sample a lot of the shows or parts of them. Um, the most effective ones are nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um. felt that those really had um, better engagement. Uh, maybe because they were real. I don't know.
3: So that's, that's really interesting because the thing that caught my eye when we talked about this last time was this thing about when you switch your screen because uh, it's designed for phones only. When you're watching landscape or portrait, you get different camera angles. And I thought that was and I think we discussed at the time whether that was going to be really clever or a gimmick, whether it was going to be great or drive you nuts. And um, it, it sounds like that as a hasn't been enough to save them. <laughs>
0: Well, th- that's a two-edged, double-edged sword here. Number one, uh, if you are looking at your phone in a vertical way, uh, all you're seeing is the horizontal reframed and pushed in. That's it. There's no oh, different so it's a camera bit, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a complete cheat. So then you think, well, why am I ever going to watch it uh, vertically? I just go landscape mode and I can see the whole shot. Um, so there's that. Um <laughs> the it, it seem to
2: me from reading the article that the guy who designed it designed it just for himself, and nobody else, really.
1: <laughs> so is so that risk? How could they get it this wrong? That's my question, because they're well, really burning money here, or they have burned a lot of money.:
0: It's worse than you think, because the person who ostensibly invented this kind of rotational, adapting visual, is suing them, and the courts are moving this through. They, the, the word is he may lose the lawsuit on the very technical uh, piece that they designed the app for. I mean, what that means, who knows? He'll probably have to then pay, you know, pay a big, big license. The problem is it's misguided in the way that when you're selling advertising, uh, do you really want people to look at Ten minute pieces with advertising. If not, you have to pay an additional three or four dollars. So you're up to seven dollars uh, for content that I think is not that great. How did they raise it? Meg Whitman, Jeff Katzenberg, they've done a lot of stuff. Uh, they've had hits and misses, both both of them. And uh, content creators, of course, take the money and run. I mean, who's going to turn down a, you know a mm-hmm. big payday to do something experimental? Could have worked, right. um, you know. So. That's our kind of review of, of Quibi, I think, so far. But stand by, because they'll keep pivoting until they run out of dough.
1: Well, <laughs> or or until they find something that finally works. I mean, that could be the other option here. So, what is the topic of this episode? Editing tools in the title doesn't really tell me a lot. So, Well, we've we'll been talking
0: about, you know, niche photography uh, hardware, shall we say. And I just thought that uh, there are niche editing uh, processes that may do one thing right, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think in that way, I just thought I would bring up a few of my favorites and we could discuss the effectiveness of all of them. I I thought also that we'll stay away from Photoshop, Lightroom, um, and uh, the kind of big ones, even Affinity, mm-hmm. Luminar, um, Aurora. Th- those are kind of deep dives, competitors, if you will, to Photoshop, but, but it's the kind of smaller ones uh, that do one thing. Uh, for example, one of my favorites is uh, a really kind of fun uh, application called Vintage Scene. And you'll never guess what that does. <laughs> I don't, I, well, I could guess, but I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of it before. Uh, it's very fun. It's very easy to use. Uh, it you know you import your picture and basically it gives you all kinds of very simple controls of how to create a uh, a photo that looks aged and that you know with paper or stains or you know crumpled you know old film stocks and whatnot. It's very very fun. Uh, to kind of look at pictures that may be kind of cold or a little bit boring and you apply this kind of like um, ancient aesthetic to it as a filter effectively and it becomes something else. It, 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 we react to the image in a very, very different way. And we've talked about this on the show. Why do older images or images that are 100 years old have a power that may be a modern image? doesn't have. Um and and so I think that there's there's a lot of 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 fun effects to play with here. And you can import from your iPhone or you know from your um photo library and and really noodle around with it. It's it's really, really fun. Cool. I (laughs) didn't do it. It's an example of doing one thing right. (laughs) If you're gonna build a small application, uh do you know, make it Uh, make it work in a very uh, intuitive way so that there's very little um, friction uh, between uh, using it and having to learn it. And and I think that is where the differentiation of a lot of these small um, pieces of software really
1: As long as as you have a one-tasker, the learning curve will be reasonably low or flat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. there, there's something called uh, uh, Silver Effects Pro. Um, I think it, it's part of the Nick Suite. Oh, that's been a, yeah, and
1: that's been around for a while. It's
0: been around for a long time, um, and it, it works as a plugin or a standalone. Um, and you know, there's a it's a, a beautiful way to convert color images to black and white. It gives you a lot of um, of kind of what I would consider in the mid-tone effects of how to kind of bring out different zones and there's also filters um, that you know allow you to kind of emulate different film stocks but it does a much better job at doing that than i think photoshop does um alone just by sliding a a desaturation slider
1: off it's probably the Um, one tool out of the nick suite that um stands out for me that uh, if if the nick suite if I had to choose one of their tools, that would probably be the one, even though, I mean, if you, if, if you shoot film yourself and you look at the emulations, it, it's, it's never the real thing, but it is getting really close
0: that's, that's yeah,
3: an interesting you like that one chris because i think i think possibly even though i don't do a lot of black and white that would be uh, and i haven't played with the nick suite for years but i did like silver effects i tell you the, the sweet spot for me though in, in all of that stuff is the way that they do uh what the selective edits um where the where you pick a point uh and then you have a radius out that picks tones ar- around that point um uh and you know you don't have to worry about feathering or blending or anything like mm-hmm. that it's it it's all just in, incredible um and uh i remember using that and i use it uh, a mobile a lot with snapseed of course because that technology made it into snapseed when when google bought the nick uh, bought nick Did they buy yeah um who owns it now jeremiah is it, D- is it dxo oh no wait it's What's google, sold yeah. again wasn't it sold yeah it got again? sold again yeah
0: Was it i think it's dxo, DxO I, think. I think yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to talk about DxO, but I th- I don't know who owns DxO. I mean, DxO is something that I I've been using for a long time. I I really have to admit I don't use it very often anymore. But when it came out, it came out with one of the first film emulation um, pieces of software that did a again a reasonable job at emulating um so that if your aesthetic was kind of focused on a say an AGfa kind of you know mid80s ad AGfa you, you you could you could get pretty damn close and with a lot of tweaking it would be hard to really uh, see the difference except in the kind of overall tonality and contrast that film provides as opposed to digital but um, you know, I I experiment a lot with these kind of film emulations, and I'm always interested when I kind of shoot film and then shoot a similar image uh, on digital, how close I can get and which one I actually prefer now, because that's the other thing, um, is the preference as my eye gets more accustomed to the, the kind of conditions of digital over the last 10 years. I,
3: I think it's a bit more than just the, the you or I getting accustomed to it. I think the tools are improving, aren't they? So, you know, for uh, the, the there's definitely a, a change to, you know, to what you can create with digital tools now uh, the, than what you could 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, with that, without question, I've been using Photoshop since it came out. So it's like, what, so, 20, 25 years ago.
1: So we're, we're talking uh, laptop, desktop-based systems. But Imar, question to you. Uh, mm. how, how much of the um, editing do you do on a mobile device versus your bigger computer? 100%.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. so
1: most of the discussion so far hasn't really affected you whatsoever. No,
2: actually, and that's I, I, I kind of explored everything, all of Jeremiah's suggestions here, and um, mm-hmm. I noticed that a lot of them are desktop based. So, but there was a couple that stood out to me. Like, um, I think the Silver Effects Pro really jumped out at me because I, I am a real culprit of just sliding the desaturation bar down when I want a black and white image. Um, So I'd be very interested to try that and just, you know, as you mentioned there, Adrian, the kind of tonality thing, the, the kind of that granular level of control sounds really nice. Um,
0: I think you'd be happy with snapseed you know we've talked about that they do a pretty well, good job that. on the iPhone you know on the mm. iPhone uh, you know of of a being able to kind of convert to black and white adjust mm. to contrast add grain even add a little glow if you want so mm. I, I, I think there's there's a meal there to be had there humor um, you know in that but um, there, there's something called tonality. Uh, there's something called noiseless. Guess what that does? Um, uh, so the, these are all kind of designed to focus on one thing. But if you're talking about one thing, there is an AI um, company uh, called Topaz. I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with that. Yes. But they're starting to make some very interesting uh, software programs again. These are, I, I think, they're more CPU based and they're they're a little more robust. But one of them in particular is called AI Gigapixel, and it's designed to take a picture, say uh, that you've kind of created on your phone or not, and do an, a massive blow up um, with all kinds of kind of uh, in in software tricks to you know, uh, negate the effects of kind of overly pixelated images. I've experimented with with it and for some images, it works really, really well. The problem is what it does and there's that issue in Photoshop too when you kind of do a very big blow up. I'm not talking about two or three hundred percent. I'm talking about say five or six hundred percent where there's a kind of a creaminess, uh, where it where it smooths out the pixels in a <laughs> feels like an artificial way, so it smears them. So it, so it looks like it's it's pixelation. plastic
1: wrapped, right? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's isn't isn't the AI? Comp- I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I I know that uh, a while ago, someone uh, some university came out with an algorithm to blow up things, and then if the detail wasn't there after the blowing up, the software would use a uh, an ai to kind of invent what's there and we put... we talked about that we on talked the show, about this I? on the show yes and uh, I, I was wondering if gigapixel ai by topaz if it does something along those lines if it adds artificial information that just fits there or no. doesn't do that
0: No, it doesn't do that. And that's really the, uh, again, I don't want to say that it's a shortcoming because I don't think that they announce themselves as the be-all and end-all. But in comparing kind of big blow-ups to what you would be able to do on just using Photoshop, for example, uh, with image scaling uh, and and you know, gigapixel, I, I think that you would find them similar, but using different processes. Um, definitely Photoshop is getting better and better at doing that. And that's a, a program that each uh, time they they up, update it becomes better and better. I mean, to the point of, of um, I mean, real astonishment at, at the amount of work that Adobe is doing on it. Um, but it's a it's a steep climb for people if they are just plunging in and, and that's why I think some of these smaller uh, ones are, are, are like there's there's something called snap heel and and snap heel is a a, a really uh, kind of a tiny little piece of software that's designed basically to clone or to erase <laughs> that's, that's all it really does but if you get used to using it, then if you go on to one of these bigger, uh, more robust pieces of software, you'll find it, oh, I understand how that works, because that's just one small door in Photoshop or, or in any of these others. So I, I, I actually encourage people who are not um, used to or comfortable with using some of these overwhelmingly complex uh, um, photo editing um, pieces of software to start small and start to explore one thing that they can do with their pictures that that can change it or adjust it. And then once they get comfortable with using a few of these, they'll go, oh, maybe I'm ready to get something bigger and more robust. It won't feel so overwhelming.
1: And sometimes Thoughts? that's all, all you need, right?
3: Yeah, so, just to take the fear out of it, isn't it? Because, yeah, these things can be quite uh intimidating um i you know i i i don't know photoshop very well um uh and i find it intimidating um you yeah, know so some something that's that's smaller is 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 a good one there's an equivalent that i use uh on my ipad to, to snap heel there's an app called touch retouch uh which which all it does is is exactly the same stuff it does you know cloning uh, and erasing and and stuff like that and it it works really really well and you know i i remember years and years ago we always used to talk about oh well if you take your you, you take your jpeg and you move it between loads of things and it's it's compressed and recompressed and recompressed you're going to end up with just mush um, I haven't heard anybody have that conversation for years now. I, I don't think anybody cares anymore, do they? Or is, is it, you know, I mean, you know, I don't even think about it. I just move JPEG, you know, in, in editing any one image, I might move, end up moving a JPEG between about th- four or five different applications and
2: not mm. worry about it at all. It's
3: Mm-mm.
0: interesting, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> there is a conversation about like a high quality JPEG looks the same thing as a high quality TIFF.
1: There's art. There's art based on resaving things as JPEG five hundred times and seeing what comes <laughs> out. I mean, yeah,
3: I <laughs> yeah, I saw something some not so long ago. Somebody did that with a YouTube video and like oh, yeah. uploaded you know, uploaded it, uploaded it f- a thousand times or it's something. Gets scary it, quite it
1: quickly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, video is hard, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of information there. So if you're trying to compress the information there. But, yeah, I, I mean, I do still shoot RAW, um, RAW plus JPEG. And I do often start, if I'm going to do something with the image, I'll, I'll most often start with uh, the RAW conversion just to make sure I've got as much detail in there to start with as possible. But all these little apps that I use, and I'm like email, I do 100% editing. Well, let's say 98% of my editing on an iPad now um and I I don't even think about the 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 quality of it um although having said that I'm not going to be printing it out you know six feet across mm-hmm. and expecting mm-hmm. somebody to stick their nose against mm-hmm. it you know it's
2: just mm-hmm. like <laughs> uh, having uh just used the phone for the editing and having just um gotten the new iPad and like Snapseed is amazing and I think the healing and stuff like that w- would have been something that I wouldn't have used, or the kind of brushes and things. But just having that kind of extra real estate on the screen to to see what you're doing, because like on a phone, it is is quite small to work with, especially if you have chunky fingers like me. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm noticing like the the finesses of things that you can definitely achieve more on the iPad screen, just in terms of the size of it is is really i'm really having fun with that right now
1: you're you're almost back i'm I'm glad you're enjoying it (laughs) Mm. i have i've looked through my applications folder in preparation for this episode to find the single taskers the niche kind of tools um the problem is last week i reinstalled my computer my (laughs) mac is fresh and Uh and i haven't done this for i don't know probably in 10 years i've Carried it over and over and over with through the updates. So all the little tools that I have amassed over the last 10 years are so- somewhere saved away in an archive but not <laughs> directly accessible to me and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of start fresh and have a clean nice system that's fast, that doesn't have any clutter and uh, if I need something I will go, ah I should have this and this and then just install it at that moment. Uh. So I do not really have a lot of Things I've I've not carried over a lot of editors. The one I carried over, for a very specific reason, is Pixelmator, which was one yeah, of the I was bring that one of the yeah. early yeah. kind of uh, Photoshop competitors, ca- kind of serious ones. Um, but the reason I have carried it over is not that I that I use it to edit, but it adds a functionality to your Mac in Automator which is an automation framework in, oh. in the Mac. So, and the functionality is it allows you to automatically add a watermark, a transparent J- a PNG, or something into the corner of an image. So mm. um, what you can do is you can do what's called a folder automation. So you drop a picture into a folder, automator picks it up, puts, uses pixel Pixelmator to put the watermark on it and moves it to another folder. So it's kind of a drag-and-drop uh, simplification of, of, of a task that I have to do over and over again.
0: I knew there was a reason I kept it on my computer because I can't think of a reason <laughs> to use it. That is my I'm reason older. for
1: Pixelmator, <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> that, that's a, that is a niche use case, definitely. I think that definitely qualifies, Chris, even though Pixelmator is quite a
1: full functional program these days. Wait, wait till we get to the pics because there's an even <laughs> niche one well, there.
0: I- Mm. I, I, I I have my favorite my favorite um, niche piece of software for photography, and it is it's it's a little bit different because it does not use my image to create something new, but it actually uses images that I find to integrate into a process, and I'm going to explain what it is. It's called image to LUT, uh, mm-hmm. image number two LUT, mm. lookup table is is a LUT. It's LUTs um, are
1: from 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 the video world. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, but frequently now used. Yes. in color correction, uh, Photoshop has a fantastic integration of LUTs, and w- what you can do with that is. You find a photo and you go, oh my God, look at the overall tonalities, a mixture of kind of purple, blue, and red, and it just this little cyan, cyan in, in the shadow, and just, you know, take a screenshot of it. Feed it to um, image to LUT, and you will get a, basically a lookup table that uses that tonality Processed mm-hmm. from the photo, which you can then save in an archive, mm-hmm. and you can apply that and adjust that uh, in various uh, pieces of software. I use uh, certainly I use um, Photoshop for that, but in filmmaking, we often will uh, with the cinematographer uh, during the pre-production process is create our own LUTs uh, for the lab, so that when we digitize. Um, our, our shoot, uh, we can just send them the LUTs we want and the dailies arrive, you know, reasonably timed or color corrected to where we want them. And then later on, we'll do secondary color correction. But I find Image to LUT is something that is absolutely wonderful and a fantastic piece of niche. Uh, I'll call it editing, but it's a overall kind of friendly way to kind of uh, celebrate the looks that other people create and integrate it into your own work do do you know what i have to say i actually have this piece of software
3: (laughs) (laughs) um it is uh it's not one i haven't used it for a little while um because uh i don't think they have a an ipad version of it. It, it but it works on my mac and and um uh, fun, uh, funny enough, there's a link to something I've been watching this week as well. I, there's, I, I've noticed that, um, n- uh, famous cinematographer, Roger Deakins is popping up all over the internet at the moment, lots and lots of interviews. And I was watching one the other day, um, uh, where they t- were talking about all of the looks for Blade Runner 2049. Um, and I actually remember trying this shortly after the f- that that film came out, taking a, uh, finding a screenshot on the internet somewhere. And it was of the really orangey red shots that they, sh- uh, it was su- supposedly in, in Las Vegas um, uh, in that movie. Uh, and, uh, you, know, try, you know, actually trying to extract that that orange look uh, fr- from the image into a LUT. And it was quite um Uh, It it was quite interesting, actually. It's a really good tool, really good fun, and you can play around with it a lot.
0: Yeah, I I, I find it pretty, pretty amazing. And Roger, who was one of the very first uh, cinematographers to employ secondary color correction on uh, Oh Brother Where Aren't Thou yeah yeah because he worked a lot
3: with the Coen brothers didn't he oh yeah
0: yes because when he shot that film everything all the hills everything was green I've seen it I've seen
3: that I've somewhere I've seen shots from that film where um and it's one of these ones it uh where they're sort of going through you know flat farmland and there's loads of loads of plants and they all look in in the finished film they all look a sort of you know light brown color beige <laughs> sort of thing and then if you it's see the, the uncolored version they're all bright green <laughs> it's amazing it's a really good uh, if you can find stuff like that it's always a really good um insight into just how much color and I guess a lot as part of managing color um can influence the look and, and and the reaction that you'd get from an audience mm.
0: I th- I think what we're trying to to get here it doesn't matter if you're shooting on an iPhone or a GoPro or a you know a large format camera or whatever that the the intent uh, the artistic intent of what you want to feel out of the final image and I I use that uh embracingly The feeling you have when you look at it is something that uh, confident imaging um, will get you so far in terms of the capture. But there is the whole world of opportunity to explore what's really in that image um, and pull out and experiment and fail and succeed in finding a not only a visual style, but but which, you know, we could argue is style an application of technique or is it just something that kind of moves through you uh, as a point of view, which employs a lot of different kind of aspects of the photographic process. But the editing uh, process itself, I find to be a... Um, a a very relaxing and exciting and also a a process of discovery and so these small little niche pieces of software often kind of explode our appreciation of our own work and i think that is uh something that is well worth exploring no matter how complex or simple it is yeah and and it
3: can be fun (laughs) Yeah, fun. (laughs) It's just Just the main thing. One of the things I like about editing on the iPad, I don't know if, Ema, if you're finding this Mm. now, now, but one of the things I like is that you can just sit on the sofa Uh, uh, with with an iPad and an Apple pen and play.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Um, I can just lose. um, When I do have any time, I can just lose an hour. Just like it's gone in the blink of an eye. (laughs) Very (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, and I really it. am only get coming to grips with it at the moment, and I coming to grips with the higher resolution that I have because I'm not used to it.
1: All and the power at your fingertips, little bit with too sharp. Sure.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a. I find myself kind of texturizing things because, like, they don't look right to me because they're, they're too sharp or
3: <laughs> too
2: much detail
1: almost. So, Imer, do you use any, let's call them single taskers, on, in your iOS workflow on the photos? Like, it's individual apps that you branch out to to do just one single thing in? Uh,
2: yeah, I would say textures particularly... Um, like I do love I love snapseed for it's just that it covers so much that I don't need to go to any kind of um single task things but um mixtures I go to a lot for texture Mixtures, okay mixtures it's it's beautiful, it's lovely um and there's loads and loads of things you can do with that um that's one thing I would say about the snapseed is I love the textures, but um I find it a little bit boring because there's there's not. There's not that many of them there and they're, you know, if you kind of, it looks the same every time. So um, I find mixtures lovely for just the um, sheer kind of breadth of stuff that's available and um, sort of vignettes and kind of uh, gradient tones. And you can layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and that just add infinitum as much as you want. And, Emer, um,
0: yeah. Can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, have you explored taking images of your own uh, textures that you may that find <laughs> I and, was just and integrating that. that into your work?
2: Yeah, I've done that um, and used them in Photoshop when I was using the, the Mac more. But actually, just in, in, to go to my pick of the day, um, that seems to allow you to actually upload into the app your own um your own versions, which so, would be lovely, and a nice little place to store them in there. But yeah, I've done it before, and I've made brushes and things, and they're very successful. All right, they're, it's lovely, but so um, that's definitely on the cards.
1: Let's use this as a as a as a point where we move on to the picks of the week. Imar, what is yours?
2: Okay, this is an app that I um when I first got an iPhone, whenever that was, way back, it was. Probably an iPhone four whenever that was new. Um,
1: oh, I loved the four. Yeah, I did <laughs> at the, the time. i still got mine, ever. actually. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. But it, yeah, It feels so good.
2: Uh, there were a couple of apps back then that I really loved. Uh, one that you can't get anymore. It's called Low Mob, and if if anybody who, who the developers of that are listening, please bring it back because I loved it. Um, but the one I've chosen for today is called Distressed FX. So it's all textures again as well. Um. It's been redesigned since I saw it last, so the the kind of interface is lovely. Uh, A lot of control in that as well. Lots of textures to choose from. And I think I mentioned last week we were talking about birds. Uh, Distress FX has um, a selection of birds or flocks of birds that you can um, overlay onto your picture if you want to add a little bit more drama to it. Um, And they look really good. They're just silhouetted birds in the distance. So uh, that's something I'm looking forward to trying. They have a pro version of that as well. Now, I'm not sure what you exactly get extra for the... um, It's about 12 or 13 euro, uh, which is pricey enough. But I think um, it guarantees you that all future stuff, you just would pay for it once. And so I'm going to get back into using it again. And if it warrants uh, further exploration, I might try the pro version. Um yeah, looking forward to using that now in conjunction with the iPad and seeing what I can do with it over there. So Wonderful. that's my pick.
1: And it quite niche with flocks of birds to put quite on. Quite niche. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me let me uh, tell you about my pick of the week. I told you it's gonna be niche. Uh, has anyone of you ever heard of processing yes, processing.org?
2: I have used it. So uh, no, this is, I haven't. Yeah. I- this is no. something, it's if, amazing.
1: If you're a programmer, you have to have a bit of a programmer's mind to use it, because it is a programmatic way to work on pictures. Now, imagine you know, simple things like putting lines on pictures or circles or cutting things out or moving parts around. Um, but it is more than that. You could have uh, 500 pictures that you need to put a watermark on. Easy to do. Well, easy enough if you are into in that mindset. Um but you can also work on video. You can do math things with pictures. You can combine pictures. You can. Um, but you can that's
2: attached MIDI keyboards and everything. <laughs>
1: well, it, that's the next thing. It it kind of expands because there are libraries. Mm-hmm. You can you can open, save PDFs from it, and again, video. You can have sound interact with things. You can do three D do stuff think, it with raspberry
2: it. Raspberry Pis and yeah. motion sensors
1: and animation stuff you can you can access like databases from it so you could have uh, a whole bunch of pictures being spit out by processing based on what's in your uh, sql database somewhere on the net this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff i mean it is amazingly powerful it can be slow at times but um, it is yeah i've only scratched the surface of it and i rarely need the power it gives me but then if i do it's uh yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Processing.org. Oh, and it's I studied my um,
2: programming when I w- when I was in college. There you go. And there you go. <laughs> I have to say I struggled with it. I didn't like it at all. I I liked nothing about it until <laughs> we came to processing. And actually my favorite thing about it was the guy who the tutorials. And if you want to learn it, the guy's amazing. He just if I I ever wanted to learn programming more, it was just the, he was so excited about, he's excited about everything he's doing and he makes it really interesting. So and and it, yeah, that's definitely one to look up if you're
1: interested. it. And do you, d- you download it? It's like a, like a development environment. You can, it runs on Windows, it runs on Linux and runs on your Mac. So it, and it's free. That's another good thing about it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's loads of, um, uh, stuff that you can look up in terms of um they have all their sort of um instruction type manuals and stuff oh yeah there's there's uh, tutorials really easily. there's everything it's a really good book yeah mm.
0: all right well there goes the Next rest of my on. day that that is a rabbit hole <laughs> that i'm going to fall into <laughs> you'll
1: love it you'll love it um let's see adrian
3: OK, well, um, I have uh, it's occurred to me as we were speaking, actually, that I have a, a, a niche app that I go to uh, for one particular thing. And I've just looked it up on the app store. And actually, I don't think it's been updated for three years, but it's an awesome app. It's called Diptych. It needs an um, update. It oh, does oh, need diptych, an update. Yeah,
0: I um, and remember
3: that. Uh, and it does what it says on the tin, right? So you know, it, it's a it's a it's a one trick pony uh, that is really good at taking some images and putting them in a frame, um, and. Uh, you know uh, and I, I use it actually just for especially when I'm doing things I want to print out for other people where I want to you know so I want to yeah let's say I've been to see I don't know some family and I have there are three children and I want to put something together that has photographs of the three children print it out on, on a six by four or whatever and send it to them Um, and it's really good for that sort of stuff and it's um it's not flashy it is quite old fashioned Um, but it's quite flexible if you pay the the three pounds or whatever it is that they they actually ask you to pay.
1: It's my uh, go to when I need to put two things side by side. <laughs> yeah, you still you, you use it, do you, Chris? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's, a great, yeah, it's, it's a great it's a it's one of
3: the early ones. It's one of the ones that survived. Yeah, you know, I mean I've had it for for years and years and years. I mean it must be at least ten years old as an app.
1: If Diptych um, goes away, I will shed some really big tears.
3: Yeah, me too. It's um I have a very soft spot for it. Yeah, and um,
2: just looking at their. Um, Uh, in their new update you can do uh, live photo collages which I never really have any use for live photos I have to say and I hate when that button turns on by itself Um, but uh, that would be interesting maybe to look at.
3: A little bit different yeah yeah as, 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 and uh yes i think as you, you say new as it's telling me on my phone actually that the last that that that, that particular update was three, yeah, years, it was ago, three but, years
2: ago Was three years ago yeah
3: but you know the the uh, the fundamentals haven't changed since then and and i'm trying to racking my brains trying to think of all of those apps that i used to use you know in 2009 or whatever <laughs> You know, like doing doing uh you know ph- ph- photography on my iphone 3g you know with its two and a half <laughs> megapixels or whatever two and a half pixels maybe i don't know <laughs> but it's uh, yeah that dip diptych dip, definitely one of my favorites still
1: all right and last but not least jeremiah what is your pick of the week
0: well i actually have two one references uh, your niche camera um <laughs> conversation which is called the idle cam and i have a link the what? to it i the- d o l c a m the idle cam, the link is there. It is possibly the least ergonomic camera you've ever seen in your life. Uh, it looks like it was designed by a committee of engineers who just thought, this is a good idea. Um, that's, but that's it could one be rather... the affect- that
1: inspired you to start that series, right? Uh, it, it is indeed, yes, yes. <laughs>
0: And and anyway, uh, take a look at it because it—I can't tell whether it's something that is a a marvel or something that is lunatic. Um, But in keeping with with this show, there is a rather expensive iOS app. It's called Cadridge, C-A-D-R-A-G-E, and it is the newest version of a director's viewfinder, uh, often used for scouting. It will. Emulate all manner of cinema cameras and allow one to capture, apply lookup tables, um, and create uh, basically lookbooks and, and uh, shot lists. Um, it's I'm just getting into it, but uh, I think it's amazingly well designed and uh, a beautiful app for uh, specific use of. Of you know the relationship between photography and cinematography as you kind of prepare your your overall um, approach visually. So Wonderful, I recommend it.
1: All right, uh, so we'll of course have all those links in the show notes as well as to some of the other things we talked about, and uh, we'll be back in a week from now. Um, if you want to find out more, go to the web thefutureofphotography.com or go to Twitter at tfop now tfop and o w and the same on Instagram. Uh, we're looking forward to talking to you again in a week. Until then, have a good time. Bye-bye.
3: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Markwatt.